my name is Dave Hollenbach, the host of From Members to Excellence, a podcast that explores the many facets of leadership from the perspectives of some amazing people. We discuss the triumphs and failures that have shaped our lives and our leadership philosophies. I've found that it isn't whether we fail that defines us, but when we do fail, how we respond. Leaders dust off the ashes and use their failures as fuel to work harder and as lessons to come back wiser and stronger, more resilient, more determined, and more committed to excellence. Today I'm speaking with Maureen Ross Jim. She has a master's in education and founded the Emerge Leadership Academy. She began training leaders across New England in 2015 after a 30-year corporate career. And uh, along with that, you know, she's an author. Uh, she also hosts her own podcast, Emerge Evolve Lead. Uh, so definitely check out her podcast. I'm going to have a link to her website uh, in the show notes. So, um, and we'll we'll get to that towards the end of this conversation, but uh, I'm just really excited to, to have you on the show, Maureen. Um, and for those listening, if you haven't seen what I, I shared, uh, gosh, maybe a couple of months ago was I, I was on Maureen's show. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I feel like that was a, a really powerful episode. I, I shared a lot of really personal stuff and, um, you know, and I just really, I, that conversation wasn't the easiest, but I, I feel like it was a conversation that I needed to have. And I, and I really appreciate you allowing me to come on your show and, and share that with your audience. Thank you, Dave. I, it was a really powerful conversation. And, you know, an interesting footnote right after I interviewed you, I trained like 15 officers from a fire station in my state and got to know them. But my whole introduction to them was so different than it probably would have been had I not interviewed you that week. Like I felt like I really got to know them or what possibly they some of them may have gone through. Um, so it was really, it was a powerful week for me. It was, it was great. And I'm glad to be here. Thank you for telling me that. Mm -hmm. um, well, let's, let's start off with, you know, where, where you were born and raised and maybe some of your early experiences, things that may have shaped your life and really what led you on the career path that you took and, and how you ended up doing what you're doing now. Sure. Yeah. So um, I am number three of six children. My mom and dad had six kids in eight and a half years. Wow. We call that Irish Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> and I live in Windsor Locks, Connecticut. Uh, we have a little airport here. It's a small town, but um, 
I, again, none of my siblings are here anymore either. I'm the only one left in the state, uh, but my mom is still alive and I get to see her all the time. But I grew up um, in this in this space where I was constantly being told what to do, what to say, when to say it, what not to say, what to eat, when to go to bed, when to wake up, what to go to school and on and on. And so I was just one of the pack and I had that sort of mentality. So by the time I got to my teenage years, I really didn't know who I was at all. And that's the time that we naturally break away from our parents. And I did some breaking away. And when I was growing up, everything was sex, drugs, and rock and roll. That was the era. And so I got into it and I never felt okay if I didn't have like a pack of kids like that I felt a part of. Um, I think we all as human beings, right? We have this need for belonging and being a part of. Um, but like in school, when we had those labels, well, I, let's put it this way. When I was 13 years old, I started drinking and smoking and smoking pot and um, smoking cigarettes and really hanging around with that crowd. And so by the time I was 15, I was pretty much a full-blown alcoholic. I really didn't know who I was, but I knew like I hated authority figures. I didn't want, I had a bad attitude. And I remember people telling me too, Maureen, you have a bad attitude. And I'd say, I do not. Like, I didn't even know what an attitude was. <laughs> I didn't even know, clueless. But as you'll see, I mean, if you, you know, after just a little while, I'm a pretty happy person. Like I'm always smiling. I'll laugh at pretty much anything. I bond very easily with people. But then I was, I wanted to be the life of the party. I wanted to always have a boyfriend. I needed to be seen and needed and appreciated and all of those things. Like I needed a lot from other people, like validation. And I wanted people to like me. And so I did a lot of things that I am not going to go into, but I'll suffice it to say that you know, it was a really, really difficult adolescence, right? And it didn't really have anything to do with my parents. Like they, they're very loving and give. Now I will say though, that my father was an alcoholic, but he was a very mild mannered. Um, you know, he would just start drinking as soon as cocktail hour hit and he wouldn't stop and he'd pass out on the couch. But that was, you know, that was the extent. So he wasn't there for me emotionally, but there was no abuse or anything like that. Uh, and I remember thinking, I will never be like him, you know, spineless doesn't do And I had all these opinions and labels. And honestly, I, you know, alcoholism is just, it's something that, well, they say it's a disease. And for me, it was really me trying to escape my feelings. And I dove into it with both feet. Um, I had a pretty bad habit. In fact, in my 10th year of high school, I skipped 65 days of school. There's only like 180 in the whole school year, right? And so much so that the next year in my junior year, they wouldn't, I had to go to detention for a whole week before they would give me my schedule to go to classes wow. to make up for all the detentions I missed in the previous <clears throat> year. <laughs> 
And the same thing in my senior year. And in fact, I finally, I, I, you know, I passed, I didn't never did homework. I skipped a lot, but I, I figured out how to pass, right. I was smart enough to be able to manipulate the system or whatever. Then in my senior year of high school, they tried to do that same thing and put me in detentions for a week. And I said, after the first day of detentions, give me my schedule or I walk. And they gave me my schedule. And then I got into the business development program or something. So I got to leave school at noon to go work in the afternoon because I just needed a certain amount of credits to graduate. And I skipped so much school that they were going to take that privilege away from me in like March. And I, I said, no, you can't, you know, to force me to sit in detention for two hours till two o'clock every day from 12 to two, like, and do nothing. I was like, that's ridiculous. I'm not going to do it. I, I, I was so arrogant and, and like, uh, I think about my attitude back then and how angry I was. I just did everybody. You can't control me, you know? And between the ages of 17, when I graduated and 24, when I got sober, I moved 13 times, 13 times in like seven years. Um, and one big trip was a geographical cure to Texas. I moved to Texas. I finally decided that the reason I was so screwed up was because Connecticut, Connecticut messed me up. <laughs> oh, it's my boyfriend or my boss or my friend, or I didn't have any money. Oh, it was my parents or it was, you know, it was always somebody other to blame, right? Other than me. So I just wasn't taking responsibility. So I got down to Texas and I was like free bird. You know, I had saved up my money. I had like $700, took a one-way ticket. I moved in with my roommate in Connecticut's brother who happened to live there. He, he was in the service in San Antonio and he got out and he just got a little apartment. I slept on a bed in the dining room for like six months, got a job, got a part-time job in a bar. Drinking age was 18 back then. And I was off and running. I got a job actually, though, in a teller as a teller in a bank, and it was a pretty responsible job. One thing about me, even to the depth that my drinking brought me, I, I had a strong work ethic. I never really missed work. I was able to get up and do it sick, whatever, the next day. Um, I didn't miss a lot of work, not like I missed school because they were paying me and I needed that money for my habits, you know? Yeah. I needed that money. So anyways, that's how it went. And I realized after about a year, maybe a year and a half of being in Texas, that I really just created all the same crap that I had done in, in Connecticut. And it was very clear to me then that the problem was me. And so I got this book called Think and Grow Rich. You're familiar with that? Bob? Yeah. Most people, most people are. And I started thinking, cause I really thought that it was a title that attracted me. I thought the reason I really am so just a mess is because I don't have any money, <laughs> never couldn't save my money. And I realized it's all about your attitude and how you think and how you live in the world and what your intentions are and how you treat people and how you treat yourself and how you think it always goes back to how you think, doesn't it, yeah. Dave? You know, so I did, uh, I started to change my thinking 
and I started to put positive messages all over my my walls and I was living by myself in this little one room efficiency apart apartment in uh, Austin, Texas. I had moved originally to San Antonio, but then a job transfer brought me up to Austin. And what I couldn't do, I couldn't quite get it. I had to give up the habit. A series of incidents happened that brought me to my knees. Like my drinking had escalated so bad. I was a manager at a wholesale picture frame supply company, just really um, didn't know what the hell I was doing. Basically, I was just out of my element trying to be, you know, I was 24, trying to be all, you know, managerial. And <laughs> there was five guys working for me. They're all older than me. Half of them only spoke a little bit of English, you know, <laughs> worked in a warehouse. And so I was working really, really hard and drinking really hard at night and on the weekends to try to get through my pain of, you know, feeling like an imposter and all that stuff. And I finally, I drove down to San Antonio every time I couldn't stand not drink, you know, drinking alone or drinking without my friends. So the weekends I'd go down there and one really horrible weekend, I never made it back. I, I kind of woke up in a, after a blackout in the middle of Monday and I was like, oh my God, I should be in. I should be, I've opened up the branch. I should be in a different town uh, 90 miles away. And I'm not, this is not cool, right? So anyways, I got the help I needed. I reached out, I got the help I needed. And I got on this path of personal growth and development. And it, it, I've just never looked back. At about a year sober, I moved back home to Connecticut. I got myself uh, the man of my dreams. I fell in love. We we're going to celebrate, I think, 34 years next month and wow. a few weeks. Um, and I'm and we had a daughter um, who's now trans. And so and she had I can't they have given me beautiful, beautiful grandbabies um, and they live just a couple of miles down the road. So it's really, really a great life once you learn to live on life's terms without trying to escape it all the time. So that's kind of my backstory, Dave. That's why I do what I do. And I really try to help other people. Once you have it for yourself, you just want to give it away. You just said that your daughter is trans and that they have children. Is your daughter the one who gave birth or her partner? So it's really, a lot of this is really new to me. So I will tell you that she's 32 years old and she is married to her significant other who is two years younger than her. And they got married six years ago and they have four children. They were man and woman. They got married regular. And then about three, they had, oh, so yeah. So I got four grandchildren under the age of seven, which is awesome. I love them so much. And they're wonderful parents, nurturing, loving, caring. They have a dog and a cat. She's always been into animals. Now, about three years ago, she identified as being on the autism spectrum, as neurodivergent. And boy, she started to educate me. And it explained a lot 
<laughs> explained a lot because I was unaware that she had these. We kept trying to figure out, well, maybe she's just got ADD. And we treated her for that for a while. Then one year in seventh grade, we just took her out of school altogether because she couldn't stand the whole environment. Um, it, she barely graduated high school. And yet she wrote a book when she was like, you know, 15 years old. So she's not dumb. She, she gets it. She's super smart. And she's got these quirks, though. She's just weird. We've always called her weird. And you know what? We celebrate weird, right? It's okay. Yeah. Doesn't matter what color hair you have. Doesn't matter who you want to be. Be it to the most to do it, right? So she loves the kids. Love, but she's never stopped watching like SpongeBob SquarePants. She has always been into anime and all of these what looks like you know childish things and has these idiosyncrasies uh now or you know gosh i forget what we call them but she's she's teaching me anyways about 10 months ago she tells me one day when i'm leaving would you would you please not refer to me as your daughter on social media anymore i said well what do you want me to refer to you as she said how about your child and i said okay and i walked away thinking but you're not a child you're an adult <laughs> what am i going to say my adult child it doesn't feel right but how about this i just don't even talk about my daughter on social media so i didn't much but still when i would post pictures of my family on facebook that sort of thing anyways Long and the short of it is she, about two months after that, she said to me, you know, mom, Jam, that's my son-in-law, is coming out as trans. He's transitioning. We're calling her she, they now. I was like, oh my goodness. Okay, that's cool. So they started growing their hair. They said they weren't going to change their name and that, um, they were trying this on for size. And even though they're Papa and Mama for to the kids, some of them are now calling him Mapa. And then about two or three months after that, she started, she changed her name on social media, which I didn't find out about until I actually saw it on Facebook. <laughs> she changed her name to Dove and wants to be referred to as he, they. So I have been feeling my feelings about it, not again, unaccepting, just trying to understand and also feeling sad that I can't introduce her as my daughter. Like, and really though, exploring what is all of this with, with he, they, us, them, you know, all this gender stuff, what is it really? So we had a great talk even just the other day and she was sharing with me, she feels like she's always been non-binary, even though she had these beautiful four children and she seemed very maternal to me. It's not about sex, it's about gender. And she said, I'm sort of like, I feel like femboy. Like if she was a boy, she would be gay. And it's, a, it's I, I, so I, that's as much as I can really explain or understand about it. But I also know that some of the things that are happening in this country in some certain states is wrong. 
is wrong for them to say to anybody else, not only what you can and can't say in school, like gay, or telling a woman what she has to do with what she can and can't do to her with her own body in regards to reproduction. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, so I've had a couple of different conversations where in the individual conversation, we, we talked about, <clears throat> you know, different um, challenges with being homosexual or being trans and just challenges growing up knowing that but not being able to express yourself or not feeling like you are safe expressing right yourself. right <clears throat> people were killed over it in the 70s and 80s right and 90s and yeah. sometimes they still are even right so people are scared for them but honestly, the community is growing and it is so supportive and they're, you know, they're being very, they're out. They're just coming out of the woodwork. I mean, my, you know, my granddaughter is gay in a, in a relationship engaged to be married. You know, I, I don't know so many, like my friends have, my, my friend has two kids, both of them, I think are gay or one's bi or, you know, whatever, whatever they're calling. So it doesn't matter, but it is, there's just so many. And then another friend also has a, a gay daughter. There's just, everybody's choosing who they want, who they yeah. fall in love with. It doesn't matter anymore. Love is love when it yeah. comes right down to it. Right. And, and I'm so happy that, you know, you, me and jam, my kids, that they love each other so much. Like it doesn't matter. So they're switching roles. So now he, she is staying home with the kids and, you know, he, they, <laughs> mine is now working. It's really interesting. She stayed home for seven years taking care of those kids and now she's doing the work thing. So it's just, I don't know. It's like, okay, it's all okay. Yeah. And uh, I, I was actually, I, I think I was on, another podcast where we were just exploring you know how there's you know you can have two different viewpoints and <clears throat> and and we we talked about abortion and how one side says they're pro-life and the other side says they're pro-choice and wanting to be able to express themselves like I, I we were talking about different philosophies and how one can feel so strongly about something that they want to impose their will upon somebody else that's the hard part right and but it's only with certain things <laughs> and and so here's here's an example uh just so i i live in florida and i'm sure there's going to be some people that are going to not like what i have to say right now but um you know this bill was passed about you know them not being able to 
discuss homosexuality in the classroom, um, especially like when in high school they're learning about you know human reproduction and and that kind of thing and and I feel like you're almost crossing the line of bringing religion into the classroom, you know, because it's, uh, I think those views come from religious beliefs where, you know. Right and wrong. Yeah. And, sin and, and not sin. Yeah. And, and so I, my daughter, I have a 15 year old daughter and at her school, I live in Seminole County. So, which is in central Florida, it's just north of Orlando. And this particular county, um, I, I guess it's just really conservative. And mm. the yearbooks were coming out and got an email and voicemails from the principal saying that they're withholding the yearbooks until they can fix clean them up fix some things there was there was uh images and i guess something discussing something that violated county policy and what it was was there was an an organized walkout you know everybody knew the teachers knew, the administration knew, they organized a walkout to um, protest. Pro protest that bill and okay. and to support the the students within the community that identify as trans or you know they they say that they're homosexual, you know, and being able to just come out and say that, I, I think, and not be persecuted for it is so important for somebody's development. And, and so there was, there was support. And I was like, man, that's so great, you know, and, um, and there was pictures of the students walking out and, you know, and uh, in the yearbook, in the yearbook and there, you know, uh, rainbow flags and things like that. But it was in support of their, their fellow students, right? And they decided, because the yearbooks were already printed, um, they decided that they were going to have to take every single yearbook and put black stickers over those pages because there wasn't enough time to reprint and oh. all that my and, god and i have no tolerance for that dave it's it's obnoxious and there was enough people that pushed back good um they reached out to their state representatives there was i mean news outlets were reporting on it and just how ridiculous it is and how they were in previous yearbooks, they allowed um, certain other walkout events, certain other protests to be uh, 
you know, portrayed in the, yeah, yeah. in the yearbook. Um, but not, but not that this one. one. So. Wow. I, it, it was, uh, it was pretty interesting. Well, they, they decided that they were just going to put a little sticker on that page that said that this is not representative of the views of Seminole County. And okay. Yeah, Great. Whatever. That's fine. Whatever. Yeah. You know. Wow. But yeah. there, but the fact that you had to point out to them that they're being bigots is troubling to me. And they're the people. It's very are, troubling. Yeah. I agree. But you know, it's like you said, we have a saying in the 12-step program, live and let live. And I think that one of the most amazing things in my life is this 12-step program because I learned that it doesn't matter what color, sexual orientation, size, you know, um, nationality, language you speak, religion you believe in. It doesn't matter. It hits everybody. We're all human. We all bleed. (laughs) We all feel pain unless you're a psychopath and love is love. (laughs) Love is love is love. You know what I mean? Emotional pain (laughs) about the psychopath, but you know, um, we, I just really believe that everybody deserves a right to feel the way they do, to speak their truth and live in the freedom or the authenticity of who they are, the truth of who they are, and be able to live and not be against anybody else's laws. Now, a lot of times when I'm training, I ask, I ask my managers, when I say, what are the best qualities of the best boss you ever had? And they give me this great list. And there's always, you know, respect is on there. I said, well, what is the definition of respect? And they say, well, you know, they, it's hard. What, what would you say, Dave? What's, what do you think is the definition of respect? What does it mean to you? I feel it's where you value the other person, like genuinely value the other person as they are their their views you don't have to agree with them but you know try and understand where they're coming from it's an allowing isn't it it's like okay i'm gonna allow you to be you and like i respect if you don't want to talk about this that's okay but you know i would we all appreciate when we have the same respect that if I do want to talk about it, I can talk about it. Or if I want to wear red, I can wear red. You don't have to wear red. It's okay. You don't have to, but I'm going to. I'm going to also maybe have purple hair and a nose ring too. So please, you know, just respect that that's my choice. Now, obviously there's a line. There's sometimes there's a line that you can't cross over. Like, no, I don't care that you want to stab me with a knife. You cannot. (laughs) there's boundaries and I'm not going to respect that. You're going to, if you're going to be off killing people, that's like, that's not okay. No, there's certain boundaries that can't be crossed. But when it comes to my own, my own values, I get to choose my own beliefs. I get to choose. 
And I might want to help you to think maybe better or to get rid of those low self-esteem thoughts, if that's what you're having and try to boost you up and help you to change. But I, I can't change anybody. I can't really change anybody else. And in fact, I can't even really, as a manager or a leader, motivate, but I can inspire if I, if I can inspire, like, you know, people might, may or may not be inspired by me. Um, but you really can't motivate someone else. You can only provide things that might motivate them or situations or rewards or whatever, whatever motivates them, whatever they choose to be motivated by. And some people are motivated intrinsically, right? And some externally. Some people, they just want more money. They're going to leave and go for more money all the time. That shows you where their values are. So anyways, we all have different personalities, different values, different beliefs, experiences, different backgrounds and cultures. And that's what makes us so awesome. Haven't you found that like interviewing all these different people on the podcast that it's just amazing how awesome people are because of what they've been through and what they've learned from it and done with it, how people take adversity and they do like organized walkouts. Well, we're going to, you know, we're going to stand up for what we believe in. I respect that. It doesn't mean I have to agree with it, but I respect it. Now there is obviously some difficulty when you're a leader of an organization and you have certain values, but I, you know, I can choose what clients I want to work with and what clients I don't want to work with, but you can't tell me unless it's the law, (laughs) you can't tell me how to run my business, but it is, it's difficult, isn't it? Because there's so many different views and opinions, and it is hard when we meet up with somebody who says like, this is, this is my, this is my biggest issue who says I'm a Christian and I believe in Christ, like Jesus Christ, but I think that you're a bad person and you're wrong for whatever it is that you've gone through or however you're dealing with life. And I judge you for it. And I'm not going to let you, you know, just because you loved this person in a way that I don't think is appropriate. Like I, I, Jesus would just never do that. He, I don't think. No, I so agree with you. That's where I fall off the sled with some of the, um, you know, that that's that rhetoric. It just feels very judgmental instead of live and let live. And yeah, God doesn't make junk. <laughs> that's what I say. You know? <laughs> you know, why would he give us free will? Yeah. If we couldn't use it. I, you're with Am, me. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> amen. But I guess you learn a lot when you really listen to other people's points of views. You learn a lot. And you don't have to let it hurt you either. You know? Now, one thing I, I really thought we would get to it earlier, but I couldn't resist That's asking. Okay. I, I did not know. Um, uh, about your daughter and it's just I want to learn as much as I can 
so that when I have interactions with people that identify differently than I do, that I can meet them where they're at and understand them. And, um, and so it's, and, and also like understanding you're in a position where you're there with your daughter and how you are responding, how you're um, investing time and being able to meet her where she's at. And it's an interesting thought. And even as you're describing it, I'm like, oh man. So we've come a long way. Um, but I will also tell you that I'm, I'm, I don't know a lot. I don't know sometimes what to ask or what to say. I remember asking a question one day, I was troubled. And, you know, she said something about like having breast removal surgery. And I was like, you know, like you would cut your body. Like what, you know, like to me, it was just shocking. And I, I asked a question and she said something like, you should know that's like the worst question you could ever ask or something. And I said, wait a minute. I, you, you know, I'm ignorant here. Like, I don't know what's the right question to ask or not. I, you need to give me a safe environment so that I can ask questions. You know, it's okay. You don't jump down my throat. Like I can't. And, she, and so there's been a few of those kind of arguments with some passion behind it because and then even the other day in the car and, and, she, and I asked another question and she said something, she said something about cis being cis or something. I'm like, well, what is that? She, she goes, ma. And she started talking to me in that voice. I'm like, wait a minute, stop. Don't use that voice with me. You have to pretend that I'm just an ignorant friend who needs to be educated because I don't know. It's not my world. I don't really get it. So help me to get it instead of shaming me for not knowing. And she was like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. Like she wants me to know too, but do you think with four kids, like we could ever have more than a two minute conversation? It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and the fact that she's distracted every two seconds, you know, squirrel. So even though we didn't get a chance to talk about you know, personality today, like we were going to, I'm really glad that we did talk about what we did talk about, because it is a growing um, in this country. I mean, since we were able to have gay marriage, and so much of that has come out in the past um, 10, 15 years, um, now all of the LBGTQ, all of those things are, you know, they have a, a much stronger voice and community and people are learning more and more about themselves not to mention the fact that when i was born there was 3.5 billion people on the planet and now 60 years later there are 7.8 billion people on the planet that's twice as many so there's going to be twice as many people on the road when these kids are learning to drive you know twice as many people in the bars or twice as many bars to go to like there's twice as many everything and i grew up 
in an era where I could go outside, the dog could go outside. You didn't have to pick up their shit. You could just go and do it. Nobody knew where I was because there was no cell phones. And now everybody knows everything. There's like so much it's overload of, of information out there, but I also know where I can find it. And I have a wealth of experience of learning to love and accept myself which means I can love and accept pretty much anybody and what they're going through. I think it all starts with that inner leadership. When you have that, when you really know yourself, you can, you can help anybody get through anything or it, you just don't have to own it. Does that make sense? So I'm still getting educated. I really, I really enjoyed this conversation because it gave me a chance to talk about it without, you know, well, just to sort of explain it, I guess. Yeah. I've never gotten a chance to do that before. And no, it's, uh, it, it's been valuable for me. And I know that there's people out there listening that um, hopefully they, they continued to listen. Um, <laughs> but it's okay if they didn't. Yeah. Good choice. <laughs> But there's, you know, there's so much to learn. And I feel like it's such an integral part of leadership, being able, well, first being self-aware mm. you know, and, and trying to like, go, you know, there, there's so much that I don't know about this and, and have that willingness to learn so that you're better able to meet the people that you're leading where they're at yeah. and, and be able to understand them better because as a leader, like we've talked about this, the most important thing we can do is develop ourselves so that we're better able to develop the people that we're leading. Yeah. Adding value to them and the people we love is paramount. So. Yeah. And encouraging them and applauding them, recognizing, valuing, you know, letting them know that they're not alone. You know, the world is a tough enough place to be in right now with your just your feelings, your everyday emotions, then to feel like maybe you're in the wrong body or, <laughs> you know, or you're in the wrong relationship or you're in the wrong job. I mean, there's so many people. I don't, this whole great resignation that we're calling it in this country, I kind of, I like the term better, the great exploration. Everybody's exploring. After the pandemic, I think we've all sort of felt like life is too short to be screwing around, be in a relationship I don't want to be in, or to be in a body I don't want to be in. I, I just mean like exercise and changing and fitness and wellness <laughs> and being, you know, in an area I don't want to be, in. you know, you can make changes if you don't let your fear get the best of you. If you can walk through your fear, you can pretty much do anything you want. You can change how you think. You can change your habits. You can change everything if you want to. And how much longer are we here? In the pandemic, they say those original counts of 3 million people died. They're saying it's more like 12 to, to 20 million people that have died. They just didn't record it all in India or, you know, or wherever, you know, in all these different countries, they didn't record it really well. So it's just time's a wasting, man, right? 
it's like we got to we got to enjoy and do and experience as much as we possibly can, whatever we want or not, you know, you don't have to either, but I'm done <laughs> sitting on the couch. <laughs> now, before we go, I, I just want to let the listeners know that like one of the main reasons I wanted to have you on the show is your experience, your knowledge, your expertise, we didn't get to dive in. Um, I, I think that people can tell just by our conversation how enlightened you are. But for those of you listening that want to learn more about her, because I would say that it would be time well spent uh, learning about um, Maureen and and learning about what she does, and you know, possibly she could be. Uh, somebody that you want to have come to your organization to do some training to help develop, uh, you know, the future leaders of your organization. Um, and then also check out her book and her podcast and, and all of that. If, if you go to her, her website, can connect with her on social media, find her book, find link the link to her podcast. So I'm going to have the link to her website in the show notes but maureen for those listening can you tell them your website and um anything additional that you feel is important that that we leave the listeners with right now well i really appreciate what you said because all those things are um available to any of your listeners um, but how you can stay in touch with me is to simply go to my website, which is the name of my business. So it's Emerge Leadership Academy. Those three words all in a row, just like it sounds, EmergeLeadershipAcademy.com. And if you take the quiz that's on my front page, you can learn what animal best represents your leadership style. And that will get you on my email list. I also have a free giveaway about how to, the seven uncommon steps that most people don't think about to get a promotion at work. And it's really about up-leveling your life, stepping up into that next level because you have so much to offer. My podcast, Emerge, Evolve, Lead, is found on anywhere you listen to podcasts. And it's it started for people in recovery, but I've also had other guests like uh, Dave. Well, Dave is in recovery from... PTSD, um, but other other types of folks who really have so much to, to offer uh, about living life on life's terms. And you'll hear some amazing, inspiring stories of what some um, drug addicts and alcoholics have gone through and the heights that they have risen to. So that's what my podcast is all about. And if you want to be on my podcast, there's also a link on my website. So I'd love to see you there. And I really wish everybody just an amazing summer, um, however you like to live that. And uh, yeah, and I'm really grateful for the conversation, Dave. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, no, and, and thank you. Um, and, and I want to say this, out of all the email lists that I've been on, yours, I, I, I swear I, I've ended up on a lot of different mailing lists. And 
yours i i feel is one of the most valuable i read oh, i read you. every single one um and i've i don't know it, it it's just it's nice to get those emails and and I don't know, there's always some uplifting message and, you know, cool little story. So I, I really appreciate those. Awesome. Thank you so much. That that really makes my day because sometimes you don't hear from anybody about the, you know, the newsletters. And I wonder, are people really reading them? But I do. I see the stats and and um, but I'm, I'm really grateful for that. I appreciate that. All right. Well, thank you so much, Maureen. I will talk to you soon. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode of From Embers to Excellence. Please like and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Follow me on your favorite podcast platform and visit hollenbachleadership.com for additional content. My goal is and always will be to add value to as many people as possible. So if I can be of any assistance to you or someone you know, please connect with me via email or on one of my social media accounts linked on the homepage of my website. Remember, our failures don't define us unless we let them, and the only true measure of a leader is the success of their team.